Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Please be seated. On Friday, Beth Moore, a Baptist author and speaker, shared this prayer on Twitter. She stated, God Most High, have mercy on us. It's scary down here. Many of us probably really identify with this prayer. Whether we follow the news or consider our own struggles in our families or in our community, it can be really scary down here. But Bethmore doesn't just admit it can be scary down here. She addressed it to God and asked for his intervention. It was a prayer. God Most High, have mercy on us. It's scary down here. Prayer is perhaps the most important thing we do as Christians. In the Gospels, we see Jesus always excusing himself to go and pray. And as followers of Christ Jesus, we too should be people of prayer. Some have suggested that if you want to know someone's theology, what they truly believe about God, check their prayer life. If you want to know about someone's relationship with God, listen to how they pray. One of the central components in our Anglican tradition and heritage is our Book of Common Prayer. You can go anywhere in the world, in North America, Africa, Europe, wherever it may be, and find an Anglican church that is praying in the same format that we are praying today on this Sunday morning. And you might not know the language, but the rhythm and participation are the same in the liturgy. And there is a reason we call it the Book of Common Prayer. It is not called the liturgy book or the book so everyone knows what to do on Sunday. <laughs> it is a book of prayer that is common to all of us. If you want to know what Anglicans and Episcopalians believe, it can be discovered by the way we pray and more specifically, the way we pray together. The Book of Common Prayer has much more than just Rite 1 and Rite 2 liturgies. It has rites and practices for daily prayers and prayers for special occasions. It gives time for said prayers and time for extemporaneous prayers. Our catechism in the Book of Common Prayer describes Christian prayer in this way. It says, it is a response to God the Father through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is responding to God. And we can respond to God because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we can boldly pray in the power of the Spirit. Prayer forms us. It shapes us. Prayer defines us. It gives us direction and, and purpose. Prayer is how we express our hope. It gives us strength. and gives us perspective. And Jesus taught us to express our hope through prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus taught us, we say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And that is a prayer of hope, a prayer of power and expectancy, because we are asking for our future glory with Christ to come, and that God's will, just as it is in heaven, will be made manifest in the world we are in, in the here and now. 
There are many prayers in the Bible that have been recorded for our benefit to teach us how to pray. And the Lord's Prayer is one of them, but there are many more. And in our second reading today, we have one of those prayers. Paul, in writing to the church in Ephesus, is praying for the believers there and the cities that received this letter. In one of, this is one of Paul's last letters, and it was well circulated in the early church to a number of different cities there. Paul gives us a great prayer and a great model of how we can pray for others. It's towards the end of our second reading. St. Paul's prayer in Ephesians was this. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. So how does Paul pray for others? In his intercession addressed to God the Father, he asks that we would be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we come to know him. Paul knows that we need the wisdom of God and a greater revelation of who he is. And this comes by knowing Jesus. It is Paul's prayer that as we know Jesus all the more, not just know about Jesus, but truly know him relationally, that we would become full of God's spirit of wisdom and revelation. So often in our prayers for others, we may find it difficult to know how to pray. I know sometimes when I pray for all of you, even individually, I don't know every detail and everything that's going on in your life, and so sometimes I don't know how to pray for you. But Paul gives us a great example. And in one way, he's saying these words, Father, fill them with your spirit as they come into a greater relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And the reasons Paul prays this is so that as we become enlightened by knowing Jesus, we may know what is the hope to which we have been called. Paul suggests that the more we know Jesus, the greater our understanding will be of the hope that we live. And in Paul's prayer, there is a clear calling to pray our hope, to pray what is our expectation, our longing as Christians. And that is for the appearing of Jesus Christ, his second coming in glory. As Paul describes it in the prayer that our hope is this, he says, our hope is what is this? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe? When we understand that our hope is a glorious inheritance among the saints, a glorious inheritance among the saints, the things that distract us in this world become very fleeting. Not that we ignore the pains of this world or turn a blind eye toward the things in the here and now. We certainly don't do that. But that our perspective on the things that we encounter in this world that cause pain and cause harm, we have a different perspective on them. We actually confront the darkness and evil in our world because of the hope that we have. And we can do this also because of the power that is in our hope. As Paul declared that our hope is in the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. Immeasurable greatness of power. And what power is this? 
Well, it's not the power from believing in ourselves. It's not the power of influence or money or politics. Paul describes this power in the next few verses as he writes, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he's, as he put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God's power was made manifest in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his ascension to the heavens. And so, why is that the power of our hope? Well, listen to this verse from Romans 8. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. You see, our future resurrection with Christ Jesus is based on Jesus' resurrection. And that is our hope. And when we pray for a better understanding of that hope, it enlightens our hearts, it transforms our vision, it gives us a new perspective on this scary world that we have down here. And that's why I really like this prayer from Beth Moore. God most high, have mercy on us. It's scary down here. It's not just a positive statement, positive vibes only, ignoring reality, but it's also not a woe is us, the world is doomed. It's God most high. In other words, there is not a greater power. Have mercy on us. In other words, intervene and give us strength. And then a sensible reality that the world is sometimes a scary and difficult place. As we embark on another calendar year, we don't know what 2020 holds for us, for our community, for our nation, for our world. Nevertheless, may we be people of prayer in our coming and in our going, in our prayer closet and in the car, at church and at home, in the marketplace, and while we have our screen time. May we be people of prayer. I want to give you a final thought, a challenge, if you will. Sam Alberry, a priest in our Anglican tradition in, in the United Kingdom, recently wrote an article, and in there he suggests two things to pray for as you walk into church. So maybe we could do this all year. He said, before you walk into worship, plead with God for at least one great encouragement to your walk with him and pray that he might make you that encouragement for someone else. May we make that our prayer when we gather together for worship. Lord, encourage me today, and may I be an encouragement to someone else as I enter these doors. May that be one of the postures of our heart when we gather for worship this year. May we be a people of prayer, no matter how scary it gets down here. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. 
we will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.